Well, good morning. Um, it is uh, just my pleasure to be with you this morning to talk about um, raising godly children and the path all of us take on really trying to raise children of character instead of characters. And um, these are my two girls when they were um, little. They're 19 and almost 18 now. So we have been on this journey of developing character. Um, I'll uh, show you another picture of them. Um, and yes, that's my dog. And I'll tell you, I put that picture of my dog up there because um, even in our family, my dog is a character. Um, but uh, this is my husband, Barry, my daughters, Morgan and Katie. Katie's the blonde, looks just like me. Morgan is the brunette who looks, looks just like her dad, but inside they are opposite. Um, so that's always fun how God kind of messes with you a little bit and creates children that are or are not like you. Um, my dog I put up there because I was laughing. I picked her up from the groomer a few weeks ago, and I, she's an old English sheepdog. And um, my husband's not a dog person, but he allows me to have a dog because of the pleasure that pets bring me because I do love pets. And I'd have a whole menagerie if he'd let me. But um, he, he lets me grow her fur out for Christmas every year. So she gets really long, but then he's just like, you got to cut her. She smells, she's dirty. And so I took her for her bath after Christmas, and it was around Valentine's Day. And when I picked her up, this is what she looked like. And I thought, you know, it, it may be a sign that I'm almost an empty nester when my dog has better hair than I do. Um, but anyway, she is no longer like that. You'll be happy to know that I took her back and asked them to shave off the, like, furry boots at her feet. And I, I cut the hair, the hair top thing off because I was embarrassed to even drive with my dog. But I took a picture of her and sent it to my husband and said, before you come home and have a heart attack, I did not pay any extra for this. And I didn't ask for it. It was a freebie because my dog likes to be bathed, and the groomer thought she'd have fun. So, Anyway, our family laughs a lot. Um, We're pretty tolerant, which is, I guess, why the groomer did that. Um, We love to do things together. My girls are busy in um, just helping them with character, just like helping my husband and I with character, has been a lifelong journey. It hasn't stopped because they're 19 and 17, or I thought maybe when I was a mom with young kids that by this time I'd get to, you know, take a breather, and in the afternoon I wouldn't have to worry about character or what my kids were doing or what I was teaching them, Um, but God has just, in his um, gracious way, shown me that character is a lifelong thing. It is a journey that we're all on, and he's never going to let us quit um, becoming women and men of greater character. Um, So it is a journey. Um, So today, really two things I want to talk about um, and how I've kind of divided the day. And the first is, what are some of the godly character traits? If you're going to boil down everything the Bible tells us about character, how might you lump them? And so how as a mom do you start addressing those and teaching them? And the second part is really ideas for you because this is a long journey. And it can get tiring, can it? I mean, when you've got toddlers and you're not sleeping well and life is busy and things are hard and you've got sick kids, um, it's hard. And I know it's hard. The good news is it does get easier with middle schoolers and high schoolers because they don't need quite so much of you physically. But boy, do they need you emotionally. And they need you spiritually. And so the tables kind of get turned. So I just want to talk a little bit about just what can you do to keep yourself going, too, so the focus just isn't... um always on them. And um, we're just going to take time to share ways really of how to build strength in your kids. And uh, I think of child rearing as really like um, building a house on that, not the sand. We don't want the sand, but we want that hard foundation. And building character is like putting a brick after a brick, after a brick. And it is going to take us 20, 30 years maybe to see that character develop, but um, we are going to get there. So a wise woman builds her house, um, Proverbs 14.1, and that's what we're building. Our houses are our children. So let's start by really having you think about, there's my husband with one of his friends. I thought this was a good character photo. This is his office Halloween party that they have every year. My husband is Fred Flintstone, just in case you didn't notice. Um, I was Betty, but I didn't bring my Betty photo. What what a surprise that I brought his, but not mine. And that's um, a guy he works with, Carl, in the um, in the 
prisoner outfits. So you don't want to have your children grow up as characters. You would like them to have character. So really, what is your vision for a godly adult? What are you trying to do with your kids? Um, And the question that's on the first page of your handout is, what does a godly young adult look like to you and your husband? When your daughter is 20, what do you want her to look like? What do you want her to be like inside? When your son is 20, what do you want him to be like? What does that look like to you? So take just a minute and and think about that. Make a note if you want. I'm going to give you a couple definitions. But really, just take a minute in your heart to say, you know, when am I going to say this was well done? What does that look like? So take a minute, write a few things down that you think that might look like to you. All right, I'd love to hear just a couple words that came to mind or thoughts any of you had. Anyone want to share? Just pop some things out. What are some things that came to mind when you think about your sweet toddler being 20? What are some character traits you want him to have? Okay. Okay. Confident. Great. Passionate. Do you say compassionate? Thank you. Great. Kind. Faithful. Right, lots of great things, and I think it's fun to step back and um, dream a little bit. Think about our kids when they're that old. You know, I'm at a point now. I'm thinking about my kids when they're 30, when they're you know a lot of y'all's age, and I could be your mother. Um, but you know, now my dream is how do I get them from here to there and do well? Because there, there's a long way. Well. Um, Having a vision for what you want your children's character to look like, my husband and I think is important. We, um, we have this habit. We meet at least twice a month on Sunday nights. We have a family meeting, my husband and I. And one of the things we do talk about is, you know, where are our kids character-wise and what, is, what are we going to work on the next couple weeks and um, what are we going to be focused on and how does he need to be involved or how do I need to be involved in terms of examples and things we look for. Um, the two of the definitions of character that we have used to help us kind of think about our kids, um, both of these are from Robert Lewis, and um, Robert is well loved by Watermark. He's the former pastor of Fellowship Baptist in, um, or Fellowship Baptist, and I think it was Fellowship Community Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. But he's written two great books, and these are in your um, the list of my resources, but one is The New Eve, and this is really for women. This is a book on character for women, and um, I just found it very enlightening. The other is on Raising a Modern Day Knight, and if you have a boy, this is a great book, and it's it's really a daddy and boy book. It's not such a mama book, but um, I read a lot about boys because I have a lot of nephews, and nephews whose moms aren't believers, so I figure it's my job to do whatever I can to help them. But here are these two examples. A godly young woman embraces God's core callings, um, chooses wisely, lives courageously, and expects God's greatest rewards. What a sweet definition. Um, For a young man, a godly young man rejects passivity, accepts responsibility, leads courageously, and expects a greater reward. So just two... um, Examples, you guys want me to leave those up there for a minute? Okay, I should have put those in your materials. I'm so sorry I didn't, but I'm happy to email them or put them on your blog too if if that would help. Um, But I would just say, um, you know, take time to dream about your children. A fun date night activity for you and your hubby is, you know, over dinner, wherever you are, or um, just driving in a car, just say, you know, if we could dream about our son and our daughter or one or whatever we have, what will they look like character-wise when they're 20? What do we want them to look like in high school? What do we want them to look? And just dream a little bit so you can really start to focus on the areas that are important um, to Christ and are important to you and your husband. Um, And as you're growing your kids spiritually, character comes along with it. Um, So I believe that, you know, it's hard to train a child to be honest, separate from training them to be a good a good Christian, and that those go hand in hand. So all of the character traits we're going to talk about are really the biblical traits, um, and I'll look at them um, that way. So um, 
I guess the way I look at character is it's really after the heart. Like I know that where my children are now, my 17-year-old, um, she can look, she knows how to make everything look right on the outside, to do the right things for mom and dad. But um, what I want is for her character to be right when she's not with us. When she's at that party on a Friday night and someone offers her a beer and she has to make a choice. When she's in the car and she has to decide which station to listen to music-wise. When she's at the movies and her friends want to go see an R-rated movie and she's got to decide, what do I want to do? So I am after the heart. And I think God is as well. I'll put these back up at the end if you guys haven't gotten them. I'm sorry, Erin, I can send them out. Um, well, in 1 Timothy 3, um, 1 through 13, God gives us a list of things that are anti, the anti-God character list is what I call this. Um, and um, for those of you that are in women's Bible study, we've been, we studied this this spring, and I thought this was just so fun that in um, a short 13 verses, God gives us 19 things that are kind of his anti-character list. Um, things like being abusive towards others, being headstrong and reckless and antagonistic and brutal and brutish and uncivilized. And um, this is Paul's letter to Timothy. He's talking about people in, in Ephesus and some of the stuff that's going on there. But this is kind of the anti-character list that God gives us. So he tells us what character is not. Um, and he also tells us what it is in um, what it is is the rest of the Bible, really. And in different sections of the Bible, uh, we get the anti-list. But if you want to go to one place and look at the anti-list, um, Timothy 3, uh, 1 through 13 is a great place. All right, so let's talk about what are godly character traits um, and how does that look. And this is my 19-year-old when she was um, three, her first trip to Disney World, which is why I always think about characters. Were there a lot of you that wanted to be Cinderella if you had to be a Disney character? Because um, I think my girls always did, and there's a, actually a great new book out that's on um, that we're raising a generation of sin, of girls that think they're Cinderella. You know, it's that what is that beauty show with the little people taller than tiaras, um, which is just frightening. But my 17 year old likes it, and there's a lot of lessons in toddlers and tiara when you have a 17 year old to sit and say, let's talk about that, that motherhood, and that. Sorry, I'm I'm getting off track, but what are godly character traits that you should be aiming to teach your children in those teachable moments? Um, things like respect, citizenship, compassion, trustworthiness, the things that you guys um, brought up, just not only bless your family, but they bless the child as well. And so I looked at across the Bible and, you know, just in the, the study of motherhood and all you um, learn from your friends and everything, um, when I knew I was doing this topic about six months ago, just started talking to different people about character and how do you, how do you bulk those and I mean there are 150 character traits in some books where I'm thinking okay that's overwhelming to me as mom I need you know give me five maybe ten but I'm kind of a ten and under gal I mean I gotta focus because if, if there are too many it overwhelms me so focus on the family breaks it down to nine traits and so I've borrowed their traits and added and enhanced them but I just loved their list I thought okay their list and I trust them as a source but I liked their list um, so the nine we're going to focus on are really um, grouped how focus on the family groups them because I think nine is um, a good way to do it and what I'd like to do is um, we're going to kind of power through these and talk about each of them and then I'm going to give you guys some time to talk about how do we teach these then to a toddler how do you start doing this with a toddler? Um, but let's talk about each of them and what they look like and then also what they don't look like to us as believers. Because I think our society tells us, for example, excellence. Um, when your kids are in school, I know a lot of you have kids in school, society will tell you that your child needs to make straight A's or they're not excellent and you are not doing a good job as a mother if your child does not have good grades. Really? Where in the Bible does it say that our kids need to make good grades? How many of you made straight A's all the way through high school and college and elementary school? I mean, right, but we get caught up in this thing about, uh, with society about what their definitions of things are rather than saying, really, you know, what's biblical? Um, my husband um, 
played sports. Um, it was just in a family that sports were part of his life. I grew up in an all-girl family, and we were athletic but not competitive. But um, when our kids were little, I mean, I remember my one of my oldest at five years old being on the soccer team, and my husband would be out there saying, you know, aggression, you got to really push it because she's really passive. And um, I'd be like, Mary, you know, she's that's not how God created her. But he would get caught up in that. And see, some of you can see your husbands, can't you? And others of you can see yourself, right? Get caught up in your five-year-old being aggressive on the soccer field because society tells you that your child has got to be a good soccer player or she is not going to make A's in high school or whatever. But I think as believers, we have to peel that away and say, really? What, what is excellence to the believer and what is it not? And what in my flesh do I get caught up in? Because I do, and I've given you the example of my husband, and I've gotten caught up in the grade thing. You know, in the four years my girls have been in high school, I've never looked at their grades. I mean, I can honestly say I had to step away from that. They're going to get into college. They've gotten academic scholarships. But I have never looked at their grades. It's all online. We don't get them in the mail anymore. But I've never gotten on there to look at their grades. You know why? Because they're not my grades. They're theirs. I can ask them to tell me about their grades. But it just It's too much. I mean, they're measured by grades. And so that's, that's what my husband and I have chosen to do. Our children don't have curfews by the time they're seniors in high school. You know why? Because they need to self-regulate. Okay? I can make rules, but when they go to college, Mama is not going to be there to check if they've come in by midnight. So I've got to step out of that. So as we go through these, think about what is respect for, for us and my family as believers, and what is it not, and try to peel away what society in Dallas is telling you it is, but that is really not for you as a believer. And I think as moms, that's hard. It's so easy to get caught up in all of that to separate it out. So... Let's talk about respect. Um, respect is things like showing consideration and regard for yourself and for others and for the world. Um, it's really a critical commodity um, in uh, the Christian environment. I mean, it is critical that we show respect for others. Christ talked to us about respecting authority, about respecting our leaders, about respecting our parents to honor and obey them, top of the commandments. Um, so we want to teach our sweet little ones um, things like patiently waiting their turns, saying please and thank you, but the fundamentals of respect. Now, I believe respect is not, you know, wanting to be the center of attention all the time, wanting my child to be the star of everything all the time, even though society tells me, culture tells me, I should want that, and I get caught up in that. I have to step away from it. Um, making fun of others. I think bullying that we see today is kind of the anti-respect, you know, that kids are taught to, to bully their way rather than to honor and love and cherish and learn. Um, being different when you're in someone's presence than you are when they're not there, I should think shows a lack of respect. So we want our kids to be who they are all the time. And um, just a couple great scripture. Give me your heart, my son, and let your eyes delight in my ways, Christ's ways. We want our kids to uh, be respectful because of God's ways. And listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They will be a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. All right, so respect, and you've got the list of um, things that it's not. Um, okay, and we're going to keep. We're going to come back to what they're not in greater detail, and how you teach them. Um, let's just look at citizen citizenship. Um, citizenship um, and the scripture I've pulled is, and let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Galatians six nine. So citizenship is really doing your share to better your family, your community, your school, your church. It is being an active, engaged, full contributing participant wherever your child is, and um, it's the unselfish and sensitive child. Um, and those traits are just general more accepted and appreciated even in our community, a child who is a good and an adult who's a good citizen. So what is it? It's being a good neighbor. It's caring about others. So you see the, um, some other traits coming in. Serving others before yourself. Being a good steward of God's creation. Nature, animals, finances. All of those things would go under um, citizenship. Obeying the laws and the rules. 
um, as believers, even if we don't necessarily like them, um, to honor our um, the, you know, I think about um, speeding would go under here, um, you know, driving in your car and, um, you know, are you breaking the speed limit? And are you consistently doing that? Because you know what? Your little toddler in the back seat is going to be five and then they're going to be eight and then they're going to be 15 and they're going to be driving with you. And if you have a habit of speeding, your little person is not learning good citizenship from you. And, um, you know, this is an ongoing battle I have with my husband because he has got the biggest lead foot and he says I drive like a grandma and I'm hoping that my children fall somewhere in between on the citizenship law here. But um, just are you obeying laws and rules? And when are your kids seeing um, that you may not be? All right, what is citizenship not? Well, it's not damaging or taking another's property. It's not littering. It's not breaking rules, ignoring the needs of others. It's not being in position because of power and of might over others. Um, and so um, thinking about being a good citizen. All right, let's talk about hope. Hope is one of my favorite ones. Um, But now thus says the Lord your creator, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. And that's from Isaiah 43, 1. Hope is knowing that God's in control. It is not hoping I do well on this test because I have studied for it. It's hoping that I do well on the test because the Lord's my Savior. He's given me skills and abilities. I've depended on those skills and abilities to do the best I could. And I'm confident that I'm going to do whatever he has ordained me to do when I go take that test. Hope is believing and trusting that no matter what our circumstance is in, God's in control. What a precious lesson for our kids to learn that hope. I think so many women my age, we didn't really learn that um, necessarily from our parents. You know, life is hard, and, you know, we kind of just thought, just keep working harder. Think about my generation. You know, you try to outwork, outperform, outdo, rather than just trusting in God. Trusting in the hope that he is who he is and he's in control. Um, So hope is just really believing in those promises. It's being cheerful and positive. The character trait of joy. Joy in all circumstances. What a pleasure to think about your 20-year-old being joyful in all circumstances. Um, What a pleasure our friends who have that joy, right? And we can probably name them on our hand. You know, the friends who, no matter what's happening, they have hope. They trust in the Lord and they're joyful in those circumstances. Hope is encouraging others, being an encouraging kid rather than being critical, rather than being judgmental, um, and believing that God's strength is all you need. Um, I love hope. All right, let's keep powering through. Let's look at compassion. And again, we're going to come back to all of these because we're going to spend some time at your tables talking about them. Um, So as those who have chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience from Colossians 3.12. Compassion is the feeling of sharing the suffering um, of another together with the need to give aid and support. And so that character trait is not just um, having the feeling, I'm so sorry that's happening. It's the how can I help part of it too. It is the the moving to action. So compassion is um, friendliness. Um, being patient and kind with others, caring about them, being thoughtful, sharing what God's given you. And so it is stewardship of resources as well. Forgiving others. Um, Compassion is not selfishness or meanness or cruelty. Uh, It's not sharing just because I have to. It's not the 50-50. I mean, we don't want our kids to learn, you know, divide it in half. Everyone gets an equal share. That's the answer. Because that may not be God's best. Um, And compassion is not, it's all about me. And let me just put on the show of serving others and doing nice things because I want to look good, we're after the heart. Um, Compassion, um, lots of fun. Okay, let's look at courage. And I know I'm going through these fast, but we're going to come back and really look at all of them again. Courage is, um, have have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Um, Courage is standing up for what's right. 
This is the character trait of your child knowing the truth and standing on the truth. Even when things get tough, when they're challenged as a teenager to go along with peer pressure, to stand on the truth. When they're challenged as an adult in a job environment to lie or to cheat, um, to put something inaccurate on a job application. It's the courage to do what's right because it's right to stand on God's truth. It's also admitting when you're wrong. And that takes courage. It takes courage for us as an adult. And as you teach it to your little ones, that's where I put it. Um, It's the strength to make good choices. It's being a good role model. It's acknowledging and admitting when we're tempted. That takes courage. And it takes courage with our children as we develop their character to teach them what temptation is and what sin is and to admit when they're tempted so that they can talk about it. Courage is not just making bad choices out of fear, um, which is um, a common tendency. Uh, Making excuses for mistakes, you know, blaming others. And courage is not going along with a friend's bad decision or bending to peer pressure. It really is standing up for what's right, standing on God's truth, doing what you know you're supposed to do, and, and defending the weak and the powerless. All right, let's look at honesty. Um, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Um, Honesty is not always rewarded in our culture. Get ready for preschool and elementary school when you'll see moms do all kinds of things that you're thinking, oh my goodness. An easy example for me was... um, And my kids were at Providence. They were at a Christian school. But moms who wanted to take days of vacation, and so they would call in and say that their children were sick. And so my children were like, hey, you know, I don't want to get in trouble for missing school, so let's just say that we're sick when we get back. And I'd be like, oh. What are, you know, what are you talking about? But they had seen another mom do that. And I'm not picking on that mom. She's got to figure that. Well, I really did pick on that mom. She's a friend, and I've actually talked to her about it. But, you know, to her, that was not. It was kind of that little white lie. It was that gray area. She didn't want her kid in trouble. Really? Your kid needs to be in trouble, and that's okay. That's the rule. That's how we teach them honor. But our kids have to learn that honesty is not always valued in our culture. Um, But without it, all of their relationships are compromised. Um, So it is telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Um, So honesty isn't just telling the part that won't get them in trouble or the part that's comfortable, but it's the whole truth. Um, I have a child that's really good at just kind of giving you the, the part that's comfortably honest and not the, all the little shadow behind it. And so I know with her character, I just have to keep peeling back, keep asking those questions. Oh, really? What else, honey? You know, let's, let's kind of dance around this together until we get there. But she's gotten much better. But that's her, her little character is just, let me just give you the part that I can and not go to the, to the depth. Um, keeping your word, letting your yes be a yes is part of honesty. Um, being sincere. Um, honesty is not, you know, lying, telling only parts of the story, tricking others, um, taking things that don't belong to us. Honesty is not entitlement. I deserve this because I am who I am. I'm me, so I deserve it. And entitlement is such a part of our culture. You know, I deserve to have my child in the magnet school. Really? You know, isn't that an open process for everyone? Or I deserve certain things. Um, Entitlement's a danger against our children in the area of honesty. And it's being unreliable. You know, um, teaching your children reliability is part of honesty. All right, a couple more. Excellence. Um, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Um, You know, when our children try to do their best in everything they do, it just affects their attitude, their courage, their hope. Um, When excellent is encouraged, children just get in the habit of doing things as well as their God-given ability can do. And I think that's what we call our children. You need to be excellent to the ability that God has created you. God did not create uh, my daughters to be prima ballerinas. 
and um, they never thought, I guess, they were going to be prima ballerinas either. But I didn't, you know, push them, strive that they had to be the best ballerina in class or the best to be. Because that's just not who God created them to be. It's not their character. It's not the design he gave them. Um, but in the areas where he, one of them has a very strong math and science brain. And you better believe I push on her a little bit in those areas to use the gifts that God's given her. He doesn't give out gifts without thoughtful um thought on why he has given us those gifts. So we need to nurture our kids where they are gifted and just acknowledge where they're not, that it's okay. Excellence is just doing the best with what God's given them. It is not being the best at everything all the way through. So it is using your God-given skills and abilities. It's making God-honoring choices, encouraging others to honor God with their words and actions. It's being thoughtful of the TV shows you watch, the books you read, um, just that purity of mind, of body, and spirit. And so I put purity under the excellence, too, which... um, is I'm just kind of in the purity battle years as well with my girls, and so that's where I put it. It's just being the very best of what God has called you to be. All right, perseverance. Um, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. What a sweet reminder from God that um, he is testing us and that testing develops perseverance. And so it's the trials our kids go through. It's the tears that develop perseverance. So perseverance is trying and trying again. And it's a willingness to try new things. If we never try new things, we don't really know how God has designed our children. Um, I have found as a mom that God has really designed my girls so different than me that if I only encouraged them in the areas that I am comfortable in, we would have really missed out on some of um, our ability to glorify him through their choices and the things they've done. that I, you know, things I would have never chosen, I've learned that he has, and getting them to persevere in those areas, even when they're not comfortable for me, has been great for their character development. Um, so teaching them to keep on going, even when things get hard, life is hard. Our children need to learn that. Things are not going to be easy, and that's okay. God designed it that way. Um, diligence, even when things are hard. Being self-motivated for the glory of God, not because you're glorifying yourself. So what's the true motivation? And just no excuses. Um, you know, th- this is where I would put that first-time obedience thing. It's perseverance to do things that I'm supposed to do, even when I really don't feel like it. Perseverance is not just giving up when things get tough or not going your way. Um, lacking self-discipline. It's not taking shortcuts or the easy way. Um, it is keeping going when we're weary, weary um, because as Galatians 6, 9 says, we're going to reap the harvest if we do not give up. All right, last one, and then we're going to do some discussion, is responsibility. Um, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart um, as working for the Lord, not for men, Colossians 3.23. Responsibility is doing what you're asked to do the first time you're asked. So just being responsible and being responsive goes under this. Being supportive of others when they need you. um, Accepting the consequences of your behavior. So even teaching a toddler, if you make that choice, sweetie, there is a consequence. It's allowing your children, and, and this is harder when they're toddlers, but allowing your children to face the consequences of their own choices. Um, an example uh, of that is that um, my youngest child, who's a senior this year, was captain of a cheerleading team. The beginning of the year, after their first game, they had a sleepover, 35 cheerleaders, alcohol there. Um, one of the girls got so sick, my daughter and another girl had to call to have her taken to the hospital. And my daughter was removed as her captain. Now, I will tell you, she did drink that night. um, So I'll put it in that context. But she was removed as captain because she allowed that party to happen. The other um, parents, in fact, the whole whole senior group was suspended for two games or one game. They had to sit in the stands, which they actually thought was funny. But they had to sit in the stands. And um, Barry and I were the only set of parents, senior parents, that did not go up to the school and complain about the penalty. Our girls, in addition to that, had a number of consequences. And, you know, she did what she did. She made the choice. I mean, you got... You know what? You you pay the you do, you do the crime, you pay the fine. Has always kind of been a motto in our family, and 
it wasn't mine to save her. What's funny is you had all these parents go up and none of the consequences changed. The school left them there and I wrote a thank you note to the school saying, thanks for holding my child accountable. It was painful. I mean, she has stayed on her cheer team, not as captain. She was removed. A girl that had mono became the captain because she was the only one that wasn't there that night. Um, But, you know, it is, my child never asked for us to go to the school. In fact, she said, I would have been so embarrassed if you went to the school. But it's because all her life, and we've, you know, we've made lots of mistakes. I will tell you, motherhood, I've made as many mistakes as I have um, made the right choices. That, I mean, we have always taught her, if you pay, if you do the crime, you're going to pay the crime. Pay the fine. Even in our family, at home, at school, wherever. If you do something wrong, you are going to get in trouble. And we're going to let you accept the consequences. I mean, I have prayed my kids' whole life, and I'm still praying that whatever sin they're in, that they get caught. And when they're 17 and 19, it is more painful, I think, than when they were 3 and 5. Because the consequences are greater. But I want them caught. And I want them to to face the fine and get in trouble. Because that is, isn't that how we as adults, it is when we're nailed at stuff that we really grow. You know, it is the stuff that's in the closet that keeps us in trouble. Um, So we need to get out. So just helping with chores without being asked is developing children with character um, and responsibility. Well, what is it not? It's not making excuses. It's not blaming others. It's not being forgetful or, or protecting your children from the natural consequences, which in Dallas, that's what parents will say. Oh, you mean you didn't intervene? You didn't take care of that? You didn't go? I remember when my little one was three, she was sent home from preschool. She was suspended from preschool. This is terrible. She's going to kill me. She gets mad at me when I talk about her. But um, she was suspended from preschool for biting. And she was biting a friend because of a boy. I mean, she's three years old. And we were at the church preschool. You know, I get the call. Oh, my gosh. But, you know, um, she had to learn the responsibility. I mean, you know, even at three, there were consequences and there were things that happened. And, I mean, you know, I think that was one of my most embarrassing moments, actually, picking up my biting child. But, um, you know, it is just the consequences. It hasn't changed. This is the same child that's the cheerleader now. So that puts it in perspective. This has not been an easy journey for me. Um, you know, it is, we're just on the journey. So they're going to get in trouble. They're going to do things. And if I haven't said that enough, let me just say, um, you are dealing with a cute little three-year-old that God has given free will. And don't ever forget that. And don't ever beat yourself up because your child had free will the moment they came into this world. Um, wouldn't it have been great if God just didn't, didn't give them that until, I don't know, what, what age would free will be okay? 80? Right? <laughs> 100? But they have free will. So they're making choices and you can pour all the truth you can into their little brain and body and something misfires in that brain and woohoo! They are off doing something else. And don't we as moms know that? So um, just know that we are on the journey to get there. So um, responsibility, just um, keep on. Okay, so I've been talking. I just wanted to get through those kind of fast because I want to do an activity with you guys. I'm going to give each of your tables one of these character traits. And um, I'd like you to just talk about what are you doing now to kind of develop this character trait in your little toddlers or your babies or whatever age you're at. What are some things you think you're doing? Now, I am not looking for, you know, ooh, we download the blah, blah, blah curriculum every week and we all, mem- I mean, I'm not looking for the big things. I am looking for the little things. And um, for the example, I brought our candy jar. And let me just tell you, the blessing of being on a mom on my side is when I realized that I did something all along and I didn't even know it was helping a character trait. Well, this is our candy jar. If you come over to our house, we have several jars, usually filled with candy, all around. And I grew up in a family of gluttony, and um, that is a sin I struggle with. I mean, in my family, if you had a candy jar, you hid it in your room and you ate all the candy. Um, Because if you didn't, your mother did. I mean, we were just, we, there was no moderation. There was no self-control. with no discipline, with food in my family, we really overate. I mean, the blessing is that we were all had a pretty good metabolism and we were very active, but we overate. So early on, when my kids were little, I realized that to teach them moderation, I had to leave a candy jar out. 
Now, there were days when they were three that there was no candy left in the candy jar. So it was a chance to learn confession, repentance, apology. My stomach hurts because I ate too many M&Ms. Well, you know what? That's the natural consequence, sweetheart, that you're not feeling well. But so, you know, it just, so what I'm thinking is think of even the things that you naturally do. Like it wasn't until they've been teenagers that I've realized, yeah, that darn candy jar helped teach that. I never thought that. I never planned it. I just, I needed it for me. I needed it out so that I would learn moderation. And so that I, so, because our teenagers, temptation may not be candy, but it's kids at my daughter's school trying to sell her Adderall the week of finals because you can focus better. I mean, that is what it's like at a private high school Christian in Dallas. I mean, so it, the temptation's always out there. So think easy. I mean, think, I have a candy jar out. It's teaching moderation. I, when I'm driving in the car, we sing songs about blah, blah, blah. We watch VeggieTales videos to learn. I'm not looking for big, fancy things. I mean, I think in life, the more simple and easy these things can be, when we take a walk, we, t- we look at all around and we talk about God's creation. That's learning to be a good citizen. When I take my toddler with me to vote, that's teaching him to be a good citizen. So just think about easy things. I'm not looking for adding anything to your already busy mom list. Um, But I'm going to give you a topic. I want your table to talk about it. How can you begin developing, teaching this? How are you working on this character trait with your toddler? And just brainstorming. And I'm going to ask you to share kind of your top ones. And if you, if while you're talking, let's say you have responsibility. If you, if anything that's kind of the culture tells us this, but it's really this comes up. Go ahead and capture that too, because I think sometimes we need to be reminded of what it isn't for us as well as what it is. But just brainstorm a list. You can just write on there if you want to, and I'm going to ask you to share a couple afterwards. Okay, I'm going to ask um, each of each group to just pick someone who will report out. If your group, and if no one wants to report out, whoever's birthday is closest to today, either way in the calendar year, can be your reporter. So we'll celebrate the birthday girls. Thank guys. The birthday folks. Um, and what I'm going to ask you to do is just look at the list or think about the things your table talked about. And we'd like to hear just two or three, just for time's sake, I'm going to limit us, two or three that you think would be good to share. And if you guys will just speak really loudly. But let's start with the respect tables. How many? I think we had one table on respect or two. Who are my respect girls? Okay. If you got if uh, oh thank you perfect. Okay, so let's hear from respect. So what are some things that you can do to begin instilling the character of respect in your toddler? Yeah. Okay, we have respect over here, so we'll start. Um, a few that we mentioned were actually using the word respect, not just oh that's ugly or that's not nice, but trying to use the biblical words like being kind, being loving, being respectful, always using biblical words. Another one we mentioned was um, whenever they're not saying please or please for something or thank you, to maybe just have them sit and um, for a minute set the timer and maybe don't tell them why because we always feed them too much information, but let them think. And then when the timer goes off, they can come back and tell you, um, you know, Mommy, I didn't say please. We're going to be respectful in this family. You know, let them give you the answer. Um, another was, let's see, what's one more? Um, taking care of our things, you know, in our house, like books, things like that. Letting them know up front, if you choose to rip your books, if you choose to not take care of your bicycle, it will be taken away, like laying it out up front, how we're going to be a good steward of the things that God has given us. Great. Perfect. All right. Any other table have respect? Okay, let's um, go to citizenship then. Oh, yes, sorry. Let's hear from our other respect table. I need it for the recording. Awesome. Okay. Um, uh, So we had some good conversations, and one of the one was, do you delight in making your sister sad? Do you delight in... um, when the teacher has in the teacher's frustration, you know, whatever she's doing or he's doing that is disobedience, asking them to go more towards the heart issue rather than right. the behavior. And then um, the nonverbal touch, 
um, for when they're interrupting. So if you have something to say to me and I'm in a conversation, then touch me and I will touch you back. And that tells you that I hear you and I'm right here and I'm going to get to you in a second. Don't say anything and I'll finish my conversation and then address the situation. Oh, and then um, the cultural issue that we've kind of talked about that I'm sure everyone has a different thought on is the formal um, yes ma'am, no ma'am, and addressing um, either mom and dad with that language or um, people in authority or teachers. And we just talked about the difference of, you know, some of us would say, yes, we think that's really important, um, and others might say, no, we, we want mom and dad to be a little bit more informal and and. Um, more casual. So that was a good conversation. Great. And that's a great example that can your children be respectful whether they use yes ma'am and no ma'am or if they just say yes or no thank you or whatever. Yes, they can. I mean, that's a great cultural one because in the South we kind of judge even, ah, she, you know, her kids don't say yes ma'am, no ma'am. And really it is a regional difference where our families are from um, and all of those things. So grace to each other. And we're all after their hearts, not their words, really. I mean, it is there for their hearts. So, all right, great on respect. Um, let's go to citizenship. Who had citizenship? Um, we had a few different things, and the first one was just with our pets in our home, just teaching them to be respectful um, to the pets and to be gentle. Um, to all of God's creations. Um, and then, I can't. Um, we talked about sharing and, and hoarding toys and just how that's a teaching respect um, to other, or citizenship, what we're on, sorry. Um, just being a good steward of our things and sharing with one another um, is also a way of showing how we care for each other. And then another thing um, was for dinner, since dinner just a lot of times just appears on the table, rather than um, it just appearing, having the kids, as they get a little <laughs> bit older, go with you to the grocery store and talk about we're purchasing these things to make this dinner and even help pick out what the dinner might be. And then when they get home, they can help actually do parts of the cooking and that sort of thing so they can understand what it takes to um, put dinner on the table. Yep. Great. Great. Did anyone else have citizenship? All right, how about hope? Who had hope? What are some things we can do with our little ones to begin the trait of hope? Um, we said uh, on the believing that God's strength is all you need, asking God for strength during difficult times, a hard game, uh, something they can't climb or do physically, teaching them instead of to get help from you to ask God for strength and he will give it to them. Um, praying with your child about how God has loved them today and what promises he has shown to them that day, how he's blessed them. Um, showing them that we, what our hope is in, apologizing to them for being what hope is not, which we can all do those things, grouchy, stubborn, <laughs> negative. Um, and then two other little practical things, singing my hope is in Jesus song. Um, there's also a book I will rejoice in. It's a a little bit more for little girls, but I will rejoice in it. takes a little girl through her day and different activities. It's by Karma Wilson. I just looked it up on Amazon, so I hope that's right. Right. <laughs> um, but that is a good little practical thing, too. Great. Thank you. Anyone else have hope? Okay. We another group over here. You're, you're locked in there. <laughs> okay. I tried not to be the one to do this. Um we had hope. We um, talked about um, having hope for the future, teaching our kids about our past, and having um, a jar. My family, we do remembrance stones, and apparently y'all do that at Watermark, too. I haven't been here long enough to know that. But um, we um, write on stones just major events in our family. Some of them are even kind of small, but just God really showed up in those ways, whether it's the birth of a child or... Um, moving to Dallas and finding a house after three months of searching for one, which is where we are now, and we write the date on it. My kids always ask to pull it out, and they like line them up on the kitchen table, and they want to hear all the stories that go with them and how God provided. And um, It's just really neat, and it's neat to see them be excited about that. And we feel like 
that gives them a hope for the future when they can look and see where God's been faithful in the past. Um, another one is just to use the opportunity of death to talk about what happens after death, um, talk about heaven, talk about Jesus, um, and that sort of thing. And then we talked about Noel Piper has a book, Family Traditions, that um, we really enjoy, and she's got a great um, activity to do with your kids at Easter time um, where you form kind of a cave and you use little pipe cleaner guys and Jesus goes into the grave and on the third day he rises um, they get to run out and be like, oh my goodness, Jesus rose from the dead, he's alive. And they, they freak out and enjoy that. And um, That's been a really fun thing at toddler age. I don't know that they'll still think that's cool at 17, so I don't know that it's a family tradition for forever, but it is a neat opportunity to teach them hope. Great. Great. Anyone else on? Okay, you guys were a second on hope. So hopefully you're hearing things that are, you know, easy, part of your everyday life that you're already doing. So there's confirmation. Y'all are doing so much great already. Um, How about compassion? How do we develop the character trait of compassion? Here we are. Yeah, raise those hands. Okay, so we came up with a couple of ideas for compassion. Uh, one idea was that if uh, one of our children is hurt or something that they uh, acknowledge that happened at school or something, that we pray for those who have hurt them, that are unkind, and that we just pray that that is changed from God and not necessarily something that they have to do, that they right. kind of release it. Um, at my kids' school, they have a peace corner that they start from 16 months uh, on up till middle school where it's a peace corner where they don't necessarily, oh, at the younger age, 16 months and probably to about two and a half, they kind of facilitate if there's an argument or uh, taking a toy away or something like that, that they kind of go to a peace corner and they acknowledge that there's an issue and they kind of task it to the children to sort out. It doesn't necessarily have to always be if there's an argument that we have to solve it, that we kind of empower them to solve it in that um, there's a whole realm of emotions and stuff that are kind of tied into either taking a toy or something like that to allow a kid to sort it out because you can't always speak for your child. Um, Giving praise when they do show compassion. Showing affection with hugs and kisses um, is something. And then also something mundane as being able to help around the house or help with chores can show caring for others mm-hmm. or um, being, being kind to people. Great. Exactly. All right. How about courage? Who had courage? Over here? Oh, back here too. We'll start back there and then let's hear from the courage girls and guys. Um, one of the things that we talked about at our table with courage was um, just going over the verse Joshua 1 9 with our children just to be strong and courageous to not be dismayed Mm -hmm. to remember that God is with us and he is our strength and our courage Um, we are a lot of boys moms at our table I'm included and so boys love superheroes and they love to be brave like their favorite superheroes especially mine Um, but some boys really want to be the bad guys they think it's more fun so just encouraging them to you know, it takes more courage sometimes to be the good guys and to, to be the ones that make the right choices. Um, another thing with courage was um, helping to teach them to admit when they're wrong and, um, you know, and not to be afraid of the consequences. Um, my boys, you know, they're trying to learn that right now. It's just they want to lie because um, they don't want the consequences. They don't want to deal with it. And so it takes more courage to admit when you're wrong and to tell the truth. Um, and so, where we at? Great, perfect. And you know, some families find that tearing the consequences. There's one set if you confess. There's the consequence. If you don't confess, there is a different consequence. And um, you know, so you may find that that helps encourage that courageousness. All right, I think we have one more table with courage. We just had an example where if your child is taking something like stealing that they have to go back and give it back to the teacher, confess, ask forgiveness, and make them go through that process, which can be very scary for them. Um, also, if they're using, if they, if they hear other children in their little class or whatever using unkind words, just encouraging their leadership as they lead others, and I think simple things like reward 
when you see them doing that well, giving them rewards for how they're leading others and not falling under that um, peer pressure for that taking a stand. Great. Yeah, catching them doing things right as much as we can, not just wrong. All right, how about honesty? Who had honesty oh, up here? Um, I, I feel like honesty starts with the moms and the dads. And uh, it, in really practical ways, what that would look like is if you tell your child, hey, I'm, we're going to leave this party if you um, don't behave or don't do this. And then you don't leave the party if they do that again. You're not letting your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, so you got to follow through with your, your words. Um, also, I do this fairly often. I'll, I'll put a piece of candy in my mouth that I just told my child that they can't have and then they're like mom did, did you just eat that um, <laughs> no I didn't eat that what are you talking about yeah I did um, so I feel like just really starting with yourself and we we just I, don't do that all the time so I feel like they, they know what, what when you're lying and when you're not um, also not to put your child in a corner and so what I mean by that is um, especially as they get older and you know when your kid is lying um, and you say, "Hey, buddy, did you just did you just hate your brother?" And instantly, most of our kids are going to clam up and say, "No." And so we're putting you in a position to say no. So if we can prevent that by maybe just changing our word choice and saying, um, "Hey, buddy, I, I saw you hit your brother. Did you did you just hit your brother?" And and empowering them to say yes and admitting that, and then praising them like it's a Super Bowl. And then we'll deal with the fact that they hit their brother in a second. But um, but praising that truth anytime that they tell the truth. And if you really um, have a kid struggling with lying, then then you can like you, you practice it. It's, it's muscle memory, and so you give them a red M and M and say, "Buddy, is this a red M and M? Yes, this is a red M and M. Good job. You just told the truth." Like instilling muscle memory into them because when they're older you don't want them tricking you and being really good at deceiving you you really need to be able to trust them and trust them to tell the truth so exactly good good okay how about excellence we must be getting close to the front tables excellence did I forget did I not give anyone excellence all right well let's talk about excellence um Things that you might do to teach your preschooler or toddler. Um, one of the things my family did were, um, was called the four B's. That means before you came to breakfast, you had to brush your teeth, you had to brush your hair, you had to read your Bible, and you had to make your bed. And now when they're toddlers, reading their Bible might just be putting their feet on the ground and saying, thank you, God for giving me today to be with my family. But, you know, kind of the four B's. And um, just to start having, you know, the habits and the excellence and routine and, and structure for my girls, that was an, an important one. So, yeah. To add to that, um, I, something we do at our house for that is to excel, to excel still more is little things like picking up toys. It's like, Parker, go pick up your room. Yeah. And I go in there, and I'm not, like, rude about it. But if there's toys still out, it's like, okay, buddy, you, you did really great with these baskets, but what about these over here and Lightning McQueen here and so-and-so here? And I help him. I make sure, like, when I ask him to do something, he does it to completion. And I'm not um, negative about it if he doesn't do it. But I'm like, okay, great job so far, but we still need to finish X, Y, Z. And I just kind of encourage him to complete the tasks that I gave him and also not go back and doing it myself because it's usually easier and quicker to do that <laughs> but making him do it great all right how about perseverance who had perseverance okay this group did um okay so two out of three of us have one-year-olds and we were talking that it's you know difficult when they're not talking and yes. it's you know how do you teach perseverance so we agreed that a lot of it was about leading by example, and one of that, one of those examples would be perseverance um, to follow through with our obedience, or making them follow through with obedience. So when you know Liliana wants to continue to go to the dog bowl and splash the water all over the floor and dump the food out, that instead of just saying, "Oh, I'm too tired to deal with it," just let her play. That I continue to persevere mm-hmm. and keep with my discipline, yes. and then she'll learn. No, mommy's not going to give up. So then when she's trying to do something, she'll continue the same thing. So for us to persevere. And then um, 
a lot of verbal encouragement. They're learning so many new things at this age, um, and you know most of them are willing and able and excited to learn new things. But sometimes they might be discouraged or something might be too hard. Um, but to verbally encourage them to keep trying and to persevere, and they can stand a little longer. They can take a couple more steps, and you know that kind of thing. Right. So. Great. Yeah, it is. You know, it is. Um, even when they're itty bitty, it's not finishing everything for them. So they're, you know, they're trying to stack blocks, and you're sitting with them. That mommy doesn't stack them every time, but says, you know what? It's okay if you can't do it this time. We'll come back and try it in an hour or whatever. But letting them finish. But great. It is your behavior. I mean, character is caught much more than it's taught, and it's caught from mom and dad. And so um, it is. The onus is on us to be there. Okay, responsibility must be these. Did anyone else have? And in the back. So we'll we'll cover both corners. <laughs> um, a couple things we talked about um, in teaching responsibility was just simple chores. Um, for instance, like taking the forks out of the drawer and putting them on the table, or bringing your plate to the kitchen sink. Um, In teaching to obey the first time, we talked about rewarding every time they obey the first time and maybe building up to a bigger reward. And if they don't obey, um, just certain consequences. And then in being supportive of others, we talked about um, one example is is praying. If there's a fire, if you hear a fire truck, just praying for others who need Mm. prayer. Great. Great. All right, and then in the back corner. Okay, we kind of had a lot of the same with y'all with, like, the cleaning up, but um, we've got a little boy that comes home from school and... Mom, I left my so-and-so in the car. I left my backpack in the car. My boys all to take their shoes off in the car. They can't walk in the house with their shoes on for some reason. So we've gone a lot of, like, to responsibility. You know, I'm not going back out to the car five times, you know. And so which can backfire on you because now if I lose my keys, like, Mom, whose responsibility is that to lose your, put your keys up? So <laughs> I love how this all works. But that building is a sweet myself. picture that you're making progress with them. You know, it is those. But I those, want to go, that's a God kiss. <clears throat> and then um, we were talking about a box, putting a box, like just <clears throat> with things that they are supposed to put up a lot. Um, so if they don't put it up, put it in the box. And when she shows responsibility with your things, you can earn it back. But you can't get back in the box to get your special thing because you haven't been responsible with it. Um, and then <laughs> we, uh, a couple of us have boys that like Legos and those stinking instruction manual books that are on the floor all the time and if you don't pick them up they're going to get thrown away or just taken them away and the same idea of like um, putting them in the box also kind of like teaching self-control with responsibility um like if you're reading a book and boys are rough and learning gentleness you know if you're going to tear it you just don't have control right now so mommy's going to take it until you can show me responsibility because i think those can kind of play into each other so Great. Great. Can I yeah. add to that? Yeah. Um, another, for those of you that are like, my kid doesn't talk yet, so how can he take the trash out or whatever? You can do like, uh, really, you can do clip art chore lists. So I do that still with my four-year-old. He can't read still. And, like, I have a clip art paper of, like, his bedtime routine. We brush teeth and read Bible story and hands praying. And, you know, and you can do that for chores around the house, little things, like a picture of a fork, which means he puts the forks out at breakfast or all the meals or whatever. And um, I heard I my sister-in-law, she then actually put it, like, behind a glass picture frame. And so then they can check it off and then wipe it away the next week or the next day. So just an idea. Okay. Great. Well, my prayer was, I mean, character is so big that my prayer was just that you'd hear fun ideas from your colleagues and your friends sitting with you and that you would just be encouraged. I mean, you are doing so much without thinking that you're teaching character. Like my candy jar that has taught my kids self-discipline where it sits out. I mean, I have two daughters, and they're not eating the M&Ms. And I will tell you, most of what's disappeared, I confess, I mean, has been me. I mean. It is the little things that we do that we don't even think are teaching it. 
that teach it. And it's just being a mom every day and being in God's presence. So let me just uh, talk through just some ideas for you. And this just is my encouragement um, to you that you're just doing so much right. Keep on keeping on. I mean, just keep on plugging away. Things like being here. But the first is just to abide in Christ. Um, and what does this look like? I mean, what does this mean when we talk about abiding in Christ? Um, I don't know if any of you are football fans. Uh, I live with a huge football fan, so I always use my family as examples because it's easier than using myself. But, um, for example, on a Sunday, or let's go to uh, my husband and I went to TCU. We met there. We were ch- college sweethearts. We do love TCU football. So, for us, a TCU football game, if the game's at 2, we're in the car by 10, which is a little early for me, but he wants to walk around the parking lot and see all of our friends and and meet people so we you know really leave it maybe at nine to be there by 10 or 11 so that starts then we sit through the the game um, and a football game did you realize is really only 17 minutes of true action in a football game but it's about a two two and a half hour experience then um, we visit some more as we leave the game and because he wants to talk to everyone about did you see that and how did that go then we get in the car and we turn on the radio so we can listen to the commentators talk all the way back to Dallas about the football. Ladies, we are abiding in football. Um, then we get home and we watch maybe the 6 o'clock news to see what Sports Center says. And we're going to watch 10 o'clock news. And on Sunday night, the news, so not only Saturday night probably we're going to watch it, but on Sunday night we have the whole hour and a half of Sports Center. You know, Doug Hansen, he's got his big blown up thing. Then during the week, my husband is talking about football with his friends and they're, they're texting and chatting. He is abiding in football big time. I mean, but that is our example. I mean, we read scripture. We're supposed to be thinking about it. We're supposed to be talking about it. We're supposed to be sharing it with our friends, sharing it with our kids. We're supposed to be abiding in Christ. That means if your time with Christ, your fill-up time is Sunday morning in church, you focus, you dwell, you process, you, you keep it with you the whole week by keeping it alive, by talking about it with your community girls, by talking about it here, whatever you need to do. So it is really that abiding, staying in it, um, just keeping it fresh and alive. Um, the second is just to become a sower of the word. And from Mark 4.14, the sower sows the word. And I will just challenge you that your job with your little ones is like being a preacher. I mean, it is, we are called to preach, to teach, to encourage, um, just like a preacher with our little ones. And, you know, the, God's Word tells us that His Scripture is like a, two or, a two-edged sword. It is going to cut right to truth, and it is going to bring sin um, up. So, um, you know, keep in God's Word so that you can sow it, whether that's doing the journey every day, whether that's an hour of quiet time. And you know what? When my kids were little, I have to tell you, quiet time was just the hardest thing for me to find. And I um, finally decided that really afternoon was best for me. I kind of beat myself up for years because I wasn't hitting the ground in the morning and doing quiet time. But really afternoon, once my kids were kind of in that 3-4 age while they played, I had quiet time. And you know, they got to see it. And they got to be a part of it. And if they were disobedient, they got me to, to hear me reading while they had their little quiet, you know, quiet time with me. But, you know, just find some time that works for you so that you are filled up every day. Do not allow your tank to get empty. Your tank is more important than any activity you've got with your child that day. That you are filled with God's Word. And so that should be the priority you know, don't add new things. Just look at what you're already doing. Women's Bible study, the journey, um, all of the things that Watermark gives you. If your kids come on Sundays, they're getting those handout sheets that talk about what they learned. So following up and just having that be your abide time. Um, the next one is just to shoot for their heart. And this came up a little bit as we were talking. Um, it is really in the scripture um, did I put it up? I did not put it up. Um, it, I really go to Matthew 5:27 here, where God tells us that just thinking about another woman was committing adultery. I mean, what a heart example. Just thinking about it. And so that is really where we want to shoot with our kids. I don't care what my kids are doing. If their hearts are right, their behavior is going to come out of that. Their words are a wellspring of their heart. 
Um, so one of the things I heard was about asking questions for your kids, and that's really where we get to the heart issues. Not, you know, did you hit your brother? That really never worked well at my house with my girls because usually I hadn't seen it or someone was reporting on the other one that, yes, that that had happened. But, you know, asking the questions, you know, what, what was going on in your heart when you hit your sister? What else could you have done? What do you think Jesus would have done if that was his sister? Because he had sisters. Um, but really trying to ask them about their, what were they feeling when that happened? What was the emotion? Because those are where I want to get to. I don't want them to self-control and not hit their sister in front of me just because they know they're going to get in trouble. I want to get to their heart so their heart doesn't even want to hit their sister. So they might think about it for a split second, but they're going to self-control. And then hopefully...